Welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast, the voice of the new universe. We are your hosts, Stephen with Spitfire number 13 and Andy, mostly taking up space and doing the introduction. (laughs) (laughs) So started in good old 1986, our new universe was an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics and world building. The idea was the world outside your window with real-time progress and reasonably realistic technology, physics, astronomy, and biology. Uh, Eight new comic series launched in one month set in our world in 1986 and 1987. Uh, Now, as we close out the first year, the world still largely doesn't know about paranormals except a few secret agencies, also known as the CIA, which shows up in a lot of these books. And so with our podcast, you can follow along with us each week as we go through every comic in the order they hit the spinner rack or just check out individual ones. If you have a favorite, I recommend the former. And we have a fledgling website, kickersinc.com. There you can find our current super sloop sweepstakes for season two. And hey, we actually finished our next sweepstakes. So once season three drops, we got new questions. Yay! I feel like we've only been mentioning its possibility like for half a year or something. So <laughs> it's done. Um, you can oh, always pop some champagne over here, guys. Porks a popping. Uh, you can always also help us out with our slogan contest find that on the website and you should definitely follow us at at kickers inc on twitter because what else are you going to use twitter for and there's a facebook fan page to join along with too though we do not run that it is still a good one unless you don't want spoilers oh my gosh the spoilers are terrible <laughs> i cannot look at anything without like hey that reminds me about all the characters who died in the new universe x y z and d Oh, come on, man. <laughs> They're a delightful group, but don't read the comments if you don't know what happened. <laughs> okay. So let's see. This week I'll be covering Codename Spitfire. <laughs> Professor Jenny Swenson stole and then destroyed her father's advanced Max armor, briefly went to prison and finally got herself shanghaied by a mysterious intelligence agency, again, the CIA. She's still Spitfire, and now she has a code name. Well, maybe it's her partner, or maybe that's the name for the whole operation. But Or, or maybe nobody knows what's going on anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> this week, code name Spitfire number 13. Jenny Swenson's first solo mission for the CIA might just be her last, for her top-secret rescue assignment in the tropics is about to be blown apart by the super-secret experiments from a nearby hidden base, Cyborg Soldiers. If I Only Had a Heart is written by Sandy Plunkett, penciled by David Hoover, and inked by Tony Tizunaga. Shorter version... Codename Spitfire number 13. Jenny goes into action alone. Um, uh-oh. That's, uh, that's pretty accurate. Sure. Um, yes. 
Those cyborg soldiers don't sound very new universe. If I'm if I'm being honest here. <laughs> but yeah, not far so, off, my friend. <laughs> so Starbrand this week is on a break uh, because it's bi-monthly, uh, but we'll have an annual coming up and then issue 10 soon as well. All right. And uh, I guess we'll be, uh, we'll have a discussing several aspects to the, uh, this issue of uh, Codename Spitfire at the end. Um which is our only book this week. So let's uh, jump on into Codename Spitfire number 13. Lucky 13, uh, cover dated October 1987 still, and it hit the stands July 14th, 1987, according to our best sources. Um, Hint, hint, I used that as one of our sweepstakes questions. Duh. Um. So, as you'll recall, Starbrand and Spitfire started sort of a at the last week of the previous month and has always been kind of out of sync with the printing schedule of the other books. So, we finally reached the end of that as instead of ending with a number 12, um, as all the as several other books in the universe did this month, uh, Spitfire crosses the finish line at issue 13. And as we said a month ago, this was known that this would be the end of the book. One extra Um, comic before the cancellation has got to be a good thing, right? Sort of. (laughs) Um, The the last issue of uh, (laughs) uh, the last couple of issues of Spitfire were a little um, haphazard. They have a. Uh, they had a. Um, let's just say they they lost some of their narrative momentum from uh, the previous couple when she'd started as uh, con- converting the title to codename Spitfire from the original Spitfire and the Troubleshooters. Um, we sort of set up this uh, new status quo with Edmund Roth, their CIA contact, her partner. Um, Jake Travis slash, uh, slash slash Hannigan, their tech whiz, and Polisino, and um, as we were hoping last last issue, uh, the disembodied voice of her father as a computer uh, kit, the the intelligent car kind of thing, which <laughs> I guess she didn't like, but okay, we maybe, liked it. Maybe we need to add VHS tape. Uh... Professor Swenson to our list of weird new universe B characters to form a super team. (laughs) See what the professor has to say. Pop in the tape. You know, it's yeah. I I, the the new universe did not um, get to the point where the Marvel universe got to where you had so many characters they would start forming new teams out of them which is, I guess, our secret uh, goal for this. Uh, We'll keep making proposals. Um, Any of them sound good to you guys? I don't know. What could be more popular than a group of uh, C characters from a relatively unknown, unsuccessful comic book series? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what 
uh, was the original situation for a little group I like to call the X Men. <laughs> they did. They were in reruns for a long time, right? Anyway, yeah. They like joined the Defenders and the Champions and all kinds of crazy stuff. Anyway, what am I talking about today? I'm talking about Codename Spitfire number thirteen, uh, which uh, <laughs> we start off with a nice cover. Cover is credited to Sandy Plunkett and uh, Weiss. And um, as you'll see, Plunkett also did the story and layouts. So the cover is, um, says very clearly at the top, the last issue of Codename Spitfire. And it has the, um, perhaps the last we'll see of the original trade dress, the uh, black uh, logo at the top it's again white on black so it's a kind of a throwback to last month as most of the 12s had some um, more creative colors uh, involved but uh, we've got uh, um, a nice shot of um, Jenny holding a helmet I guess and a male figure with his back to us um, they're like pulling a gun and looking at some flying, I don't know. It's like it's King of the Rocket Men or something from a Flash Gordon serial. Um, okay. And you you got a nice like background of like a sneering Count Dracula looking guy. <laughs> um, He's got like yeah, the so, Dracula Doctor Strange kind of super cape thing going on. Yeah, that. Yeah, like if you're law, you don't want your dog scratching his ears. You got that uh, cape uh, <laughs> thing going up around your neck. Um, it is really nice looking, and I'll tell you right now, it's um, it reminds me of a of a book called Xenozoic Tales, which was also sold as Cadillacs and Dinosaurs by Mark Schultz, who was a real um, aficionado of kind of older illustration styles. So we would have a lot of these sort of Frazetta-like females and these nice action poses and um, uh, sort of a, a big 30s adventure style to it, which I feels like this is kind of a callback to. Hmm. Um, opening into the um, splash page, we have another actually nice female figure. Um, it's a blonde woman holding a walkie-talkie in sort of, um, let's assume, jungle outfit. And there's a waterfall behind her and this sort of jungle all around her. It's a little like uh, one of Night Mask's dreams started up. in. Um, title at the snake? top is... Dumbala! <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> If I Only Had a Heart is the title, which... Uh, we all remember is a uh, line from um, eh, Wizard of Oz. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, the credits are, again, Sandy Plunkett, story and layouts, David Hoover, pencils, Tony Dezuniga, inks. They, Jim Shooter is still on as editor-in-chief. Oh, and Bob Harris as editor. It wasn't handed off to uh, the new guy who was taking over the new universe. So the... Um, there's some narration boxes about how um, this woman is um, 
Her ears are made deaf by the pounding of her own heart. Her eyes made blind by fear. So she's been running for a while through the jungle. And she's talking into the walkie-talkie. This is operator, operative O-Niner-4 Blue Jay. Do you copy? copy? My cover has been blown. I'm presently being pursued by person or persons unknown. I'm trying to reach the La Tanganya province, but I believe my situation is hopeless. More narration. She bites her lip, trying to stop the quiver in her voice. In the event you do not hear from me again, terminate all operations in the area, she says. So jump into the next page and she continues running into the jungle and uh, there's a lot of narration boxes about how her name is Celia Cliff and she is employed by the CIA. So you can stop, stop feeling sorry for her now. Uh, <laughs> she got herself into this. But it, no, I'm sorry. Uh, she uh, infiltrated uh, this uh, research project codenamed Synergy on this island. And then a few days ago, she discovered they were onto her. She fled into the jungle and she's been on the run ever since. Everything is uh, dangerous. And then she trips on something and then she looks up and there's a weird humanoid figure. Um, she sees the devil has come dressed in cold steel. And it's, um, it's not too different. It's like a person with a, like a helmet or a head that's a little like the alien, the xenomorph in Alien. Um, yeah, it's like a cross between that and like those. Back and there's... Oh, like a cross between that and those like hardcore bicyclist guys that have that weird helmet that sticks way back and like the goggles. Okay. Like, okay. Turned into a monster. Yeah, and so if like you stuck all that on, so it was permanent. Yeah, that's what you'd get here. And she's uh, she tries shooting it, but bullets just bounce off. And uh, she says it's strong, and uh, she doesn't know what it's going to do. It's strong and fast, and then it just picks her up and flies off into the jungle, and then she passes out. Next page: the lead in the sky hangs over Arlington. Um, okay, so this is Arlington, Virginia, the the uh, military side industrial complex part of uh, Washington D.C., which I don't I think is a pretty like suburban neighborhood, um, but they make it out to be like super sketchy here for some reason. And it is uh, Jenny Swenson walking along with Edmund Roth along the sidewalk. I think you see a little bit of the Washington Monument in the background, just so you're uh, sure that it's in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, he, Roth is telling Jenny about this uh, woman's, Celia's last transmission, and that they lost contact with her, and that they were investigating this guy, um, Saxon St. John, freelance member of the club. He's been stationed on Puerto Rojo, Rojo, for over three years now. So he's developing synergy technology, which is mm. like Max technology. I can guess. We, can we just call it Puerto Rico? It's so hard to like, yeah, it's so close to Puerto Rico that like. Yeah. So he, he's like, 
Well, we we ran into problems sending sol solo female CIA agents into dangerous situations. So maybe we can fix this by sending <laughs> another solo CIA or well, a kind of CIA agent. Look, Jenny, you have a lot less training and experience, so we think you're perfect for this job. Um, <laughs> yeah, the... Uh, so, okay, this guy, St. John's been doing R&D work on suits strikingly similar to our own Max system. And we actually think it's actually advanced of ours. Oh. The terrorist organization, the club, is financing him. And yet we have reports of massive human rights violations. Massive? Okay. And if there's like hundreds of people, you can probably get police involved i'm just saying I don't know. um and the i guess it's not puerto rico because he's a clear threat to our national security but puerto rojo is politically neutral won't allow any u.s or soviet military personnel on its territory oh wow hard to imagine someone wouldn't want a bunch of soviet and american intelligence services <laughs> what could go wrong so there only means we have of preventing the synergy project being sold to the club, which is already financing it, is a small covert operation. So um, Denny's still like, I don't know anything. I'm still new at this. And um, he's like, Roth is like, we'll give you a new suit that's even better than the ones you've been destroying so far. Um, and then, okay. She's confused that uh, they're walking through this crappy neighborhood <clears throat> and uh, they've arrived at a apartment or something. And um, she says, why are you stopping here? Roth says, as they say, skimmed milk often masquerades as cream. Huh? People say that? <laughs> I've never said that once. I never, never. I would fire um, a milkman if he ever said that. <laughs> says he continues. Willie Deer's been working out of this basement for years. This neighborhood is the perfect cover. Yes, we have yet another tech genius to uh, pair Jenny Swenson with. She they they go into a basement um, laboratory slash mechanical shop. Where Willie, a I'm gonna say middle-aged kind of guy, is welding, and Jenny's like, so this is the CIA's art answer to Doctor Zarkov. Um, as I said, that's a reference to Flash Gordon, which yep. I'm getting the feeling is is part of the the writer's intent is to give you a sort of a 30s serial feel uh, adventure. Uh, so. Um, Roth is like, don't, don't be hasty. He's contributed to half of this country's major developments in robotics for the last 10 years. Unlike you, Jenny Swenson, with your big professorship at MIT and no papers to your name and no patents and three <laughs> dead troubleshooters. Anyway, Willie uh, is like, Hey Roth, how's he doing? Um, good to see you. I want you to meet a very special woman. My old lady. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Jenny Swenson, isn't it? Yes, I've heard about you and your father, of course. 
I've been working with his notes on Max Technology for some time now. Jenny will be your partner on this excite assignment. And um, Jenny says, excuse me for being blunt, Mr. Deer, but I thought the agency kept the brainy types like you under lock and key. Um, are you saying you are or are not under lock and key, Jenny? I, I can't quite tell what you mean by that. I feel like she's got to be. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Willie Deer is like, oh, yeah, I know all about uh, this St. John and it's super dangerous. And, uh, but luckily, he, he's super paranoid. And so all his data is still there. He wouldn't have given it to anyone yet. So we can go destroy it. It'll just, you know, just be the end of this project once and for all. But, uh, you know, it's a lot of, uh, Opposition, but I've got some new um, Max design. And yeah, he's got a new Max armor in a little tank there. It's lighter than the rest, but the strength amplification is at least they're equal. Um, so Roth interrupts them and starts showing them uh, a map and how they're going to get in and out of the island. Um, Willie's going to go undercover and um, pretend to be a reporter or something. Jenny is going to fly underneath a commercial air, airplane and sort of drop off once it's out of radar um, contact. So next few panels, they show her doing exactly that. And then she's dropping into the jungle and it's a max armor that is just barely larger than Jenny. I mean, it's like smaller than like a scuba suit some ways i mean yeah it's it, it not even gives, any it, it definitely gives weird scuba suit kind of vibes right it's just it's red <laughs> it's got like a it's big... still red it's there's a jet pack kind bump on the back but there's really it's instead of you being sort of in a small room once you're inside the max armor it's very form fitting so i don't know um it's got a Anything? muscle chest, which throws me off. Like it's like the classic like action figure, like He-Man kind of like pecs and abs, but like it's a lady in it. So like especially later on, where like her head is out, like the helmet's mm. off, but like the body looks like a buff dude, like a He-Man action figure. <laughs> like it's like this is weird. <laughs> I mean, it might be even weirder if they gave it like a female chest, but like something's yeah, wrong. I'm not I'm not sure what way is worse there, but. Um... This isn't better than anything. Yeah, there's a little like flare in, in the like the lower leg as you get into these boots or something. But otherwise, it's not uh, feminine at all. And uh, so, as they say, toyetic. I guess you could imagine a kid's toy based on this. But would that be better than the Max suit? Either of the Max suits? I don't know. No. Jenny comes to a uh, jungle cabin where she was um, been getting a, a tracking signal from, I think, Celia Cliffs. So this is where Cliff was captured. And um, she's like, Willie was supposed to meet me here. Well, I guess I'll go in and wait. She trips some sort of a wire and we get a picture of uh, uh, Saxon, Saxon St. John, John slash Dracula. 
I'm looking at a control screen or something being like, well, welcome to my, you know, um, they've, they've come and they brought a max suit at that. Oh, how great. This is um, Count Nefaria. I'm sorry. I was reading some old X-Men comics and I mean like number 20 mm. and this like big cape with the frill, the fluffy, the puffy shirt underneath and all this. This is Count Nefaria. I'm sorry. Saxon St. John, um, as we'll call him in this issue. Um, well, anyway, we cut back to Jenny and she's looking at some papers and there are, I guess, some notes about what uh, St. John's been up to. And she's like, he's another Joseph Mengele. Human vivisection, vivisection, artificial implants. The man must be insane. Um, so suddenly something, she hears something and then one of the walls explodes. Good heavens, it has to be one of the synergy suits. And it looks a lot like the one we saw before taking off this Celia Cliff character, except now there's a um, name painted on the chest, 3-MC. And it is ta starts talking, the object of pursuit has been located, sir. We'll proceed to terminate with extreme prejudice. This guy even looks evil. St. John must have created that appearance for the psychological effect it would have on his enemies. So she, uh, she has a bit of a moral dilemma of like, should I actually fight him? But since um, she's a CIA shill now, yeah, she whips out her laser and uh, tries to fire at him. My lasers are doing about as much damage to his suit as a 50 cent water pistol. Yeah, if she had gotten the super soaker, it would have done more. <laughs> um, three dash MC backhands her. Can't believe how fast he is. Nearly locked, knocked the teeth out of my head. So yeah, if you wanted to see uh, young women getting beaten up by a robot suit, there you go. Uh, <laughs> this guy ugh, won't let up. So she's uh, seemed to be having trouble fighting him um, and is kind of barely hanging on when we see someone at the door. Looks like it's Willie. Oh, could, could it have been like a highly trained combat operative for the CIA or, you know, someone with some jungle tracking experience or, or hey maybe no, just, just send your mechanic. He, uh, I mean... According to the picture of him at the top of, uh, let's go back to page four, where she's introduced to him. Let's just say upper body strength is not Willie's forte. He is, uh, he has no muscle tone on those arms of his when uh, we see him in the uh, shop and uh, are first introduced. So, but um, just as uh, the bad robot is about to beat Jenny, she he he. Uh, Brings up a camera, one of these very old ones with a flash bulb on it. Oh, let me capture this moment on film. Pop. Arg my eyes. <laughs> so yeah, um, this whatever 3MC is startled by the flash. Jenny smacks him. This is your chance. Make this punch count. 
And yeah, she lays them out. So um, Jenny's um, takes her helmet off and you know, she and Willie talk for a little bit. They uh, drag this um, person over to a chair and sit him up. And uh, Willie's investigating what, what, what's going on with his suit. And he's like, Jenny, you're looking at the next logical extension in cybernetics. Your playmate there is literally plugged into his armor at the neck and maybe elsewhere. The input from suit sensors are fed directly into his nervous system. All his functions are operated by electrical impulses directly from the brain. So he's looking at a helmet and Jenny's looking at uh, the unhelmeted man now uh, sitting in his chair and she's threatening him with a gun. It's again, kind of a Flash Gordon-looking gun, but okay. And she's um, she's saying this guy doesn't seem to have any expression. I heard him speak English a minute ago, so don't give me this no comprende. But, but uh, where's Saint John? Saint John can't speak, not program, no interface. So he's he's more robot than man, I guess, at this point. Um. And they hear uh, the radio on the um, helmet say, return to home base. And uh, Jenny's at first like, well, we're not done with him yet, but um, she tries threatening him and doing the old slash Hannigan, but uh, she's not very convincing, I guess. So she's like, look, just get out of here. You are not going to shoot me. No, just get out, will you? I was ready to kill you and you're letting me free. You're letting me free. Setting me free. (laughs) Yeah. Willie's like, yeah, they have a word for it back in the States, pal. They call it compassion. And um, so, yeah, three dash MC just flies off. (laughs) and um he's got no like propulsion system he's just superman flying yeah i mean it says like jets in his boots but it doesn't really look like it no yeah it's flying by wires there i don't know jenny's like well there goes our best best uh chance i guess we're not really doing too good they um they talk for a bit they notice the camera that saint john had been watching them on and uh, destroy it. And St. John is thinking, you know, well, it doesn't matter. They'll, their sheer incompetence will betray them again. It's only a question of time. He's probably right in that regard, honestly. So it's uh, Willie and Jenny in the Jeep in the jungle, and they drive along for a while and mm-hmm. get to a village, a small seaside village, it says. And they... Uh, park in front of a place called Jorge's. Um, They are then inside having dinner at some tables with tablecloths. And there's just this one guy, Jorge, there. And Jenny and uh, Willie are kind of arguing about, you know, we're tired and we don't know what we're doing. And uh, (laughs) he's like, you're kind of a downer. Okay. Um, (laughs) So he, 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 he's got some ideas, and then suddenly they hear a knock at the door. Open up in there. Madre de Dios. Um, 
the owner Jorge is concerned it's the cops or whatever federales or whatever and um they seem to be looking for jenny and willie um probably at the direction of saint john so um they they come in we're looking for two americanos a girl and a white-haired guy we're thinking maybe you've seen them it's translated from the spanish it doesn't say we're thinking maybe you have because there's a jeep parked outside that no one in the village could afford uh they must be somewhere else and uh yeah they they go inside they use a, actually a pretty bad word in spanish there um and uh once they get inside why there's no one there ah i, I guess this place really is empty St. John's not going to like this. Maybe they slipped out the back. Let's check. They go out and, uh, yeah, Jenny and uh, Willie just crawl out from underneath the tablecloths. It's that CIA training there. Wow. <laughs> um, so Jorge then gives him a little uh, background on how uh, St. John has been kidnapping children from their village for the last few years. My 15-year-old brother, my own twin brother, Enrique, was one of the desaparecidos. <laughs> Despacito? <laughs> my, my favorite panel is the one uh, uh, like right after that, where they're like, you know, St. John tried to assuage our distrust with gifts, American clothes, liquor, but it didn't work. Our hatred and suspicious of suspicion of him only grew. And you see him like walking through the town with a big cape and a cane. It's like <laughs> here, have some really, American jeans. Levi's. He didn't try and blend into the population with his evil guy <laughs> outfit very well. <laughs> oh my gosh. So he talks a little about these rumors that he was experimenting on the kids and turning them into machines or robots or something. And they're all just screaming. And uh, if only I knew of some way to resist him. Funny you should say that, Jorge. We're trying to do that ourselves. Can you take us to this fortress of his? Of course, but you are all but there already. It is built on the foundations of an old church on the edge of the village. Willie, what great luck. He's like, actually, I left a homing beacon in the uh, 3MC, so we've been following him the whole way. Because Willie thinks ahead of himself, unlike right. you, Jenny. <laughs> hey, you're going to have to do something clever if you're going to sneak into Castle Dracula. Uh, Willie, why didn't you tell me? Well, I've noticed you're a bit of a hothead, honey. Figured you'd just suit up and fly off after that 3MC without a plan of strategy. Thanks for the vote of confidence. Well, am I right or am I right? Let's just say I won't press the issue. People are finally calling uh, Jenny out on her whatever. So three miles later, which is pretty big for a small village, if you ask me, one kind of walks in that situation, we find a gigantic castle on a cliff overlooking the ocean. Or maybe it's just a foundation of an old church, but it looks big from this angle. I think that's like the gnome left that one and is like subletting it out to uh, Dracula here. I mean, St. John. <laughs> and he couldn't afford it anymore. So uh, Jorge is taken in this whole way, but he's like, you're kind of, he's, he's uh, you know, he's disappointed with them for using these max armors too. 
And he's like, you're both part of the same evil. Your kind worships progress and machines. Not any God I can understand. Go ahead. Fight St. John. In the long run, I'm sure which of you, which it matters, which of you wins. He goes back to his village and waits for some running water, which will never arrive. <laughs> I think Jorge just realizes it's the last issue. So <laughs> nothing you do matters. You're in the final issue. It's all coming down around your ears there. Ah, Jenny's like, I wouldn't, his leaving wouldn't hurt so much if I was sure he was wrong. And uh, Willie gives her some, you know, uh, a hard time about it, but. Well, let's scan the sarcasm and get under the um, into the basement below the castle. So soon they're like treading through some, I don't know, dank sewers or something. Um, Willie, of course, senses a draft and Jenny with her max suit pushes this secret door open and huzzah, they are in St. John's uh, secret underground laboratory lair i can't believe that's it pretty, that's pretty convenient <laughs> yeah there's literally no guards the, like the places in the first place they look <sighs> anyway this is all state-of-the-art equipment the club must be feeding saint john millions and who even knows if this is his main workshop and they're they're then once they look closer they're horrified is there's like disembodied hands and legs around artificial limbs. And then finally, Willie comes to the sad part. Jenny, I hate to tell you this, but it gets worse over here. It's Celia cliff, one of our best agents. And she's all strapped into a table kind of naked under a couple of um, conveniently placed uh, mechanical arms. But um is she dead? Well, it's a weak pulse. And then they they do get like a signal from like one of these helmets. I'm over here. Um, so she's kind of lucid, but um, she's been plugged into some advanced synergy robotics. And so she just is um, talking through one of the, the these disembodied uh, headpieces and there's a couple other things on that table and she's complaining about the uh, pain of course so just then who should appear count nefaria yeah saxon st john your concern for miss cliff is quite touching really i'd forgotten there were still people in this world capable of such feelings and um uh, yeah, he's got a gun, which I guess means, you know, Jenny and Willie can't do anything. <laughs> yeah, somehow neither of them do. <laughs> I, you know, I, I mean, they snuck in. It's not like they had to get him through customs, I, you know. Anyway, he comes down to where they're they're standing around. I allowed you bunglers to get this far for one reason alone. Saved me the effort of sending more men out to fetch you. Um, she... He then calls her Max suit primitive. Ouch. Jeez. I mean, this is more advanced than Jenny's last Max suit, which was more advanced than the previous Max suit. So what does it take to impress you there, dude? Come on. <laughs> um, so she's, he's like, well, let's see it in action some more. 
And uh, now both of the two cyborgs, um, who for all we know are the only people <laughs> in the castle other than St. John, uh, are there. Three MC and the other one, who at this point you will notice never got a name. What does 3MC have a, a name painted on and the other one doesn't? Yeah, 4MC? <laughs> MD? I don't know. Um, so um, he's like, why don't you guys fight or something, I guess? And Jenny <laughs> puts her helmet on. <laughs> uh, let's see. So I guess 3MC never got his helmet back. He had left it in that jungle uh, hut. So he's just like got his normal head and face. So Jenny hits that, sends him flying. And the other one is like, no luck with such luck with this guy. He's every bit as powerful as 3MC. He just doesn't have any personality or a sad story I can manipulate him with. So they fight for a bit, and uh, Willie is going to try to jump uh, St. John, but he's like, um, you know, got a gun, and he tells him not to. <laughs> um, back to Jenny. She's gotten the unnamed uh, cyborg down, but she's still fighting with 3MC. And she's like, this isn't the same man I fought before. He's hesitant, unsure of himself. Yeah, he's pulling her, your, his punches. Because uh, you're a girl, maybe like her helmet's off, and now so both of their helmets are off. But they're uh, keep fighting without his helmet on. I can see it his face. He's really trying to pull his punches. He could be one of my old students, Eddie Giotti. <laughs> his face looks so familiar. Wait a second, I do know that face. Wait a second. So um, he throws her through a table or something, and. And she's about to black out. She's like, wait, you're not a killer. Your name's Enrique. You've got a twin brother, Jorge, don't you? You're making that up. Oh, wait, no, that, that's the guy in the village. Okay. Yes, can't you remember? 3MC, pay no attention to her. Do your job. But she keeps talking. And he's like, uh, turns on his master, as most robots will do. I'm glad to see cyborgs and robots have a lot in common. Um, he's about to um, attack uh, St. John. St. John just shoots him in the head. And I'm afraid I must terminate our relationship permanently. And now they're um, Jenny and Willie are about to get shot. When you think that 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 had to have like made his day, right? As like cartoonish villain man, like with the cape and the cane and all, and the in the henchmen, and like he's like finally got to give some of these one-liners. Like maybe that's why he's been so kind of pointless, you know? Like he has he he made the secret passageway on purpose into his lab to make things kind of easy, you know? He he forgets to bring extra goons because like three dudes with guns could have solved this whole situation, but. You know, he's so in love with the villain thing. He just wanted to uh, <laughs> be able to drop some one-liners. And that's as good a, an explanation as I've got, certainly. <laughs> so just as he's uh, about to shoot them, the uh, disembodied parts that were connected to Celia Cliff suddenly grab him. What? Can't believe you're alive. 
It doesn't matter what you believe anymore, you monster. Um, my arm, you're crushing it. He drops the gun. Let go. Um, Willie grabs the gun and he's, while he's doing that, he's yelling at uh, Jenny. You could have used your lasers, but you don't like the idea of killing, do you? So he just grabs the gun and then shoots St. John. St. John is like dying on the floor. It all came undone so fast. How? How? <laughs> is he speaking to us or the editors of uh, Codename Spitfire? <laughs> um, Willie's like, can't say I'm sorry to see him go. Jenny's like, well, you know, Willie, you're right. I could have used my lasers. What is Jenny, like 160 IQ, something like you, Im- you imagine? And she's like, oh, yeah, I had lasers on my wrist the whole time. Hmm. How about that? Well, to be fair, they keep giving her like a new suit every day. Maybe she didn't have enough time to train in it. Good point. Good point. So um, he's like, uh, Celia's dead. Not surprised. The strain was more than she could handle. Enrique, gone also. Just a pile of rubble and bodies wherever they go. <laughs> what about the other guy? The other, uh, the unnamed robot. He's probably still alive. Maybe he's now on a table instead of the floor. I'm not sure what to think of that because he had never really expressed any personality. It's hard to say if he's got any left, you know, um, any individuality left. So the last page. We've got the next to the last page. We've got Jenny thinking, saying, so this is what you want me to get used to? Endless fighting, killing. I'm not cut out for this. I was trained to teach, to help. And Willie's finally being nice. Look, I'm sorry I came on so heavy. I forgot you're new at this. All things considered, you did a good job. St. John's been neutralized. Edmund's going to be pleased as punch. All this synergy research data is intact. It'll help our max research to no end. What? Take the findings of this madman and use it for our own? I have news for you, dear. Uh, That's his name. I'd rather die first. So she finally uses her lasers to destroy all the data, I guess. Um, So this data, all the experiments, they were as sick as St. John. Maybe you and Edmund can deal with that fact. I can't. I'm not going to be part of any such dehumanizing technology. And as we peel off into the distance and watch the castle in the moonlight, oh, Jenny, you poor fool. Can't you see no matter what label you put on it? You already are part of the whole stinking mess outside. The narration boxes start up again. A dark cloud passes over the moon and through the dense jungle foliage, A vagrant wind begins to moan. This concludes the adventures of Spitfire. (laughs) We got a vagrant wind. That was our conclusion. Or does it? I give you... um, Where am I? Page 23. uh, Where am I? (laughs) You got secrets? Uh, I had worked up a, a, a little mock-up of an extra page for us here. Oh, wow. 
This is Jenny waking up too late. Not again. These nightmares. I think I don't think I've had one good night's sleep the last couple of weeks. She's in her uh, room in Boston. As long as the kids keep using their max suits, I can't feel help feeling though it might end up on the hit list too. That's why I told them to hang out for a few weeks. And Jenny, hope you don't mind. We let ourselves in. All the troubleshooters have let themselves into her room. Sorry about dropping by in the middle of the night, but we felt we had to say couldn't wait. What's wrong? Jenny, we really have to talk. This concludes the adventures of Spitfire. <laughs> All right. I just set you back six months. <laughs> none of this CIA recruitment. None of this. Half the troubleshooters are dead. There you go. I like I will, it. I will mock in like night mask into that as well. <laughs> and put that up on the Twitter feed by the time this hits the stands. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. So maybe leaving it at number 12 would have been fine. I don't know. Let's not like really add anything to it. Yeah. Did not add anything. And, you know, I was, I was thinking over what I said to the last um, issue of Night Mask about how, okay, well, there's, it's not paranormal. It's, it's kind of magical and dreamlike and blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't bother me. Um, I'm happy with it being kind of in a gray zone and not necessarily explaining Crossing every T, you know, dotting every I. But I know, like in the beginning, people complained about Spitfire being unrealistic technology. But we have gone from like a level of unrealistic technology to complete Marvel Universe level of technology at this yeah. point. Yeah. So. Yeah, the weird I, flying androids and like, you know, the, the newest Max armor is just <laughs> a little silly. I mean, last issue was at least like recognizable from the previous work. Um, Jenny had been so entangled into the CIA work that it's, um, you know, we've kind of lost hope for her to like strike off on her own and you know realize she's being played for a chump but it's too late okay but then this is like yeah it doesn't you know give us anything new with the new team doesn't bring anything new about jenny yeah it's just um yeah, I wonder. I wonder if the loss of Shooter really hurt some of this stuff. I know his name's still on it, but I think timeline-wise, it's pretty clear he's not involved in this. He is not it's driving like, the bus anymore. Yeah, yeah like if, I feel like he would have stepped in and like, like, what is this? It's the Iron Man suit with a goofy helmet, right? Like, like there's no technology or mention of it. Like all the early issues, like you know parts of it would break and like the power pack was actually kind of dangerous and like you know there's I mean, it there was within, like there's some real technology there instead of this thing that just shoots lasers yeah yeah this is really yeah just a, a step too far into the fantastic um and this isn't the book for that i mean maybe another book you could sort of weasel away with it but yeah, it, it's it's too, it's a step uh, further. Like yeah. I said, 
thinking about it, it was like, okay, I think you're doing like Doc Savage and Flash Gordon, and that's like what you want to do, but you know, you can't jam that those ideas yeah. into everywhere, you know. So yeah, yeah. Shooter was the guy who like said this is realistic and this is not, and people were like, you know, I had to show him an article in Popular Science or something to back me up that this was realistic, and it's like I guess he took you know things like that seriously. He wasn't like, you know, uh, he was trying to keep things within a vision that he had, which maybe people you know didn't communicate to everyone very well because everyone else in Marvel is just pulling crazy moon men out of there you know whatever you want we'll we'll let you do it um i you know much as i enjoy some of that old adventure serial stuff again it's just not the place for it so it's yeah. frustrating for me i think uh people did like it and i remember someone talking about it on the the facebook fan page a while back and some people liked it so okay i i you know if it's um perhaps it's more to some taste um i don't i that's that's fine but for me it's like it's gone from like i don't agree with this direction to like fully apocryphal like this is literally you could say this is a dream jenny had and it would be make as much sense I really like your new revised last page. <laughs> oh, thanks. It just puts some, <laughs> you know, like that that cliche of you wake up and it's all a dream is like cliche for a reason, and it's really kind of like a hacky way to like do things nowadays. But like in this case, it works. <laughs> it, it it helped that like we just covered that in Star Brand last month. So imagine the boldness if you were running a TV show and then like. You know, halfway through season three, you start just making the episodes all terrible. Like, you just like a little bit of time, like on purpose, like the writing is bad, like you don't really announce it, but like the acting gets kind of campy and you just make it bad. And then you wake up, then you they wake up from a dream kind of thing, like, aha, just kidding. We're back to our well crafted material. Oh, throwing that idea out there. Oh. Yeah, the the Spitfire man. It's like I think it, it was pretty early on. Um, you had started pointing out in the series of how they were kind of like dumping on her, and like it just didn't even end in this issue. It's like here's another guy who can outbuild armors, and then let's fight another guy who's even better at building armors. And like, I mean, you real- you have to start off with like what's special about this person, you know, like she's the smartest or she's knows this technology the best or something like that yeah why did they even send her right just put somebody else in that thing you know put uh, celia cliff in that suit and she's a trained operative and let her zap some people and kill mercilessly and stuff you know it's just... at yeah. least in the previous issue like she was on the plane like when they were trying to set her up to be the operative and she was like you know use the perhaps ridiculous onboard airplane library to to figure out the star chart and figure out exactly where she was and kind of like outsmarting the situation a little bit yeah you're right that's the kind of thing you want from like this character um i don't know the 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 
slash Hannigan and whatever the advantage of with with his like split personality. Yeah, it really didn't I, do much with it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so yeah, it seems like a couple of these books had were just kind of throwing out some inventory stories or something to kind of get across the finish line. Perhaps that's part of the the situation here. Um, but it, I, I don't think it helped anything. Um, um, but yeah, you're just, well, anyway, so there's no annual coming up and this we'll call this the end for now of Jenny Spitfire Swenson's <laughs> adventures. I believe she shows up later in other things. I believe you're right. Yes. So. Hopefully that'll um, that'll make it all worthwhile. Um, Blow the stink off of this issue. <laughs> so let me see. I did have an alternative Spitfire proposal, in fact. All right, let's hear yours, and then I got one too. Okay, this is a like a little uh, involved, but our <laughs> time. Um, I call my proposal is mission to Mars. So, um, but with um, Spitfire being in trouble and uh, Starbrand not having enough ideas or being overpowered or something, I was thinking, how about you stick both of those characters on a Mars expedition? Because with the real time, um, you know, conceit, um, uh, most of those are expected to take like two years. So you could really stretch it out as like a bi-monthly thing where, okay, I know. So Ken Connell is um, somehow like, remember there was like the teacher that went on the space shuttle and stuff. Right. That ended well, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, right before the new universe started. So it's maybe a hard sell, but like, okay, there's a lottery and Ken is chosen to be on this like Mars expedition. And he's like, I don't remember like applying for that, but you know, it's like every man USA. Okay. Because obviously there's nothing like special about him otherwise that we can use, but he gets in there and he realizes that he was actually chosen by Jenny Swenson, who is in charge of this Mars program because she was hired by the, by NASA instead of the CIA. So she's like got a program to get a Mars expedition. Maybe it's like 2001 where they're like, they think they know where what the white event came from or something and they want to investigate it. Or they just want, this was just like, we got to get back into space. Maybe there's like a, a Russian ship that's also headed out there. I don't know. Mm. But you're like, you could have... Um, so she sort of gets him involved because she knows that he's got superpowers. And then, um, so there's like training, you know, getting ready for this. And then there's, you know, it's a long voyage out there. I imagine you've got like other people, uh, other crew members from like international um, team that um, you're, you're sure one of them's a saboteur or something. You get to Mars, there's more trouble. Um, like Andy Weir's The Martian, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're doing, you're being sort of real science, but it's like it keeps um gives Jenny something more interesting to do because robotics works well with some of this exploration. 
and it gets Ken out off of Earth where he's dangerous and into space where he's actually kind of more vulnerable. Even though he's got all this power, he can't just like fly back to home from Mars because he can't, I don't think he can, you know, figure out where it is on his own without instruments, right? So right, he's right. like tied to the ship and he has to keep the other people there from knowing his powers, all that kind of stuff. Hmm. And, you know, every like a bi-monthly thing and like a, a new adventure at different stages along the expedition. That's my thought. Right. And then maybe as at the uh, conclusion of the series, they can kind of land and come back and perhaps save the day in some future dire situation that we don't know about yet. Exactly. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I'm afraid mine is way more comic booky. I will also take comic booky. <laughs> All right. So uh, she splits with the CIA because they're awful, right? So she loses the bubble suit from today and the more modern suit that's on the like from the most recent because that's cia technology uh, but she still oh, technically owns the original so she kind of re rebuilds to go back into that suit um you know having been away from her job long enough like she doesn't really have enough money or resources to do much so who does and she wants to help people right that's kind of the end of this uh, mediocre issue is you know I should be helping people so she helps out and rejoins with Kickers Inc right mm -hmm. they're public right kind of rebrand her a little bit and she can uh, befriend uh, uh, Doll right you know Jack Magnacanti's wife and uh, you know give her a little bit of backup against the boy squad when they go out on these adventures and so um if the original Kickers Inc. mission is maybe kind of going awry, like they were having trouble, you know, just doing their like random people call to like help missions, you know, maybe as uh, if uh, Jenny and Jack team up, now she knows two paranormals, right? So there must be more out there. You know, Magna Conti hasn't really run into them yet, but then their mission can kind of blend into more of, uh, you know, helping out, paranormals right i mean maybe it's a little professor xavier but you know with all the psychic stuff so you know that can be their their team up kind of thing so oh, original max suit uh maybe don't brand it up kickers inc but it might be kind of fun if it was um but then they're kind Spitfire of fire and the kickers inc. yeah okay mine i couldn't decide to call it uh starfire or spit brand but <laughs> I like that we both like think of ways to combine her with another book that's not working out so well. Yeah. I mean, even the troubleshooters could join the team. Like they could be like the part of the comedy relief in the background of, uh, you know, Kickers Incorporated and like, you know, using their technology to kind of help send the other football guys out on missions. And, you know, suicide is trying to use the, the mind helmet to like, you know, something goofy or to frank dasher or something i don't know <laughs> yeah i like it it because kickers is just like one paranormal so it's it's more low power than like dp7 or something would be so yeah you're kind of in there as an additional strong addition to the team not like overpowering it one way or the other 
Are yeah, and, and they could like maybe mission one is um you know again she has that slight connection with Ken Connell, like maybe what if their first mission was to try and kind of find and help those like ex escaped mental patients that were paranormal? Like, you know, and that would be a tough situation because it's not like they're just, you know, people who need help or rescuing. It's like, you know, they don't quite they don't quite want help, but maybe aren't doing so well on their own either. So kind of a complex situation to try and fix. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I like both of those thoughts. Um, if only we could write and draw comic books. <laughs> I can just teach myself to do both of those skills soon. <laughs> Maybe. Um, let's. Uh, can only wish we were uh, available in the bullpen a few years ago. 37 years ago. Uh, let's see. I don't know. I don't. Did I have a grade for this? I didn't. It was. Like we didn't grade it. No. C minus at best. I was thinking C. Yeah. I really like the splash page. It's uh, it's it's great looking um, art. Uh, Plunkett is is by all means um, um, got a great uh, eye for that. Is some of the Xenozoic tales. Okay. Um, yeah, the one thing that I didn't get to mention is like, yeah, at some point they name drop Johnny Weissmuller movies. Oh, right. Tarzan <laughs> movies. Yeah. yeah, I looked those up and like he did a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, you could do like those things would get cranked out. Like it's kind of more like how you would do a TV show now, I guess. Yeah. Killer Ape, Devil Goddess, Jungle Moon Men cannibal attack it was like all, almost all jungle themed they had that one set probably and they really wrote it yeah i think he yeah he was like an, a tarzan and then he like went on his own and like just did the same thing except without the brand name or something yeah i'm garzan <laughs> <laughs> okay to be honest, you know, if we if we did have our own um, comic book, it would be like Ben Connell, <laughs> Star Bund, and you know whatever. So I I feel that for that uh, approach. Yeah, that's um, fair. Fi file the names off and you know create your own IP. How long do we have to wait until they uh, just become like public <laughs> fair use or something? New universes, I'm afraid, going to be quite a while. It's Dang. like uh, 2081. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going to... I don't think we're going to make it. But our... Let's get to work on having some more kids or something. I don't know. It's... <laughs> our, our descendants will, will seize the day. In order to take uh, to get my millions from my estate, you must. <laughs> That'll be what's on the secret uh, disc that's hidden behind the picture. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm putting mine on a VHS tape. They're gonna have to work for that one. Let's see. All right, anything else you want to talk about, or should we call it? Uh, let's call it a day. I think the, the 
this is the last of the regular issues of the first year of the new universe. And I'm afraid it has taken its toll on both of us. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Uh, I'm yeah, speaking so for myself. Chron- chronologically, we go a little bit backwards. The um, As far as we can tell, the Starbrand annual uh, would have come out, you know, actually just before Spitfire, uh, as far as things go. So we're, we're pretty close. Um, but that's what we're, we're going to lead off uh, annual month with Starbrand annual number one. And uh, our solicitation for that is Ken Connell, keeper of the Starbrand, is caught in the middle of a fight of love, jealousy, international espionage, and murder in the Swiss Alps. So, I mean, all that stuff was in the first couple issues, except for the Swiss Alps. Um, and he discovers that his best friend is perhaps his worst enemy. Huh? Uh, Doc? Doc? Not my run, right? Uh, written by Bobby Chase, penciled by Jeff Fisherwood, and inked by Art Nichols. All right, so let, let's see if the shorter solicit has more information. Uh, is the power of the star brand too much for Ken Connell to handle? It could spell death for someone he loves. Hmm. Don't throw out the dark. <laughs> uh, well, anyway. <laughs> Definitely tune in for that issue. We'll see what's up with Ken Connell and his star brand power and hopefully no death of people that we like. Uh, in the meantime, kickersinc.com, email us about the slogan, newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. And this has been the voice of the new universe. And we'll see you back at the spinner rack. Don't throw out the duck.